and we are back for another edition of the Daily Dots. Thank you for joining us as we travel along this journey. And uh, if you're looking at markets today, and look, guys, it's always way, you know, you can't make too much out of one day. But, but I do think that today is a somewhat um, important day in the sense that I think it's something that you need to t- pay attention to. Now, look, by next week, it may not, you know, things could transpire where it doesn't become an important day. Um, and that's entirely possible. Like we've always said, nobody, including us, knows which direction things are going to move. And if they tell you they do, that's the one guy whose opinion you should throw out. Um, but having said that, if you look at the market today, it's really not telling the story. You're effectively flat. What did the NASDAQ finish up? 0.07%. Yeah, everything was all, it was flat except for small caps, who got, which got smashed. Small, cap, small caps got ripped. <clears throat> so you look at that, you're like, oh, there's nothing much happened today. But it did. Um, you got a, now again, not an alarming number at all, but you had new jobless claims come in, about 10,000 more than was expected. Combined between the two, 33,000 above expected. So okay. pretty, pretty decent. And it'll be revised up by about 150,000 a month from now. <laughs> right? No, but so, so you got what would be considered bad economic data, not horrible, just bad, like, you know, as in you were a bad boy kind of deal. And rates subsequently moved down. Small caps got hammered. The major indexes didn't go anywhere. Um, again, I guess the way that I would preface that would be if the market, and one day is way too little, so we're not going to make too much out of it. But when that turn happens, when, when, when the market, when sobriety starts winning the day, right? If sobriety, assuming our outlook is correct, so full caveat, but if you want to know when the market actually starts caring, about fundamentals um that's a sign that would that that could be a sign that it's beginning would you agree yeah i do think it will likely wait until january to if not february to to really care just because of less and less people are going to be actively doing things the rest of the year and systematic flows are setting up to be pretty solid but today i mean to me today was a big deal even though it was just the one day i mean We've been going on and on with the bad news is good news moniker. Well, today, bad news just wasn't news for the market, at least. Um, and it wasn't just jobless claims. I mean, we had um, a, a fugly NAHB, and that's a technical term. So housing sentiment was expected to be 40. It was 34. So that's pretty gross. Missed to the downside. Um, industrial production was revised down last month. Um, and this month was worse than expected and negative 0.6. That that's now that's probably impacted by the strike, but at the same time, the people that made the estimates also knew there was a strike. I'm pretty sure um, that obviously has to continue. But but you think about this week. I mean, jobless claims ripped, industrial production missed bad, NAHB missed bad, retail sales negative. Like the and all this kind of rolls into the <clears throat> economic surprise index which is actually this week breaking down below its trend that it has held since the summer of 2022, which tells us the data, not only is the data bad, but the data is like missing and surprisingly bad. Well, and you, again, you don't want to make a mountain out of a molehill, but it also tells you that it's accelerating bad. Right. Didn't say it's going, didn't say we're hyperspeed. Okay. We want to guys. I think it is so important that you, whatever you glean from us, that 
we really pride ourselves on not getting unemotional and we really pride ourselves on delivering valuable information. So we're always going to caveat this stuff. I don't want you to think that we're sitting here saying, oh my God, it started. Hide the kit, right? We're not saying that. We're just saying the data that we're seeing come out right now, and it's all pretty consistent. It isn't, the data is not pointing to a no landing. The data is not pointing to a soft landing. The data is pointing at this point to recession. Now, data can change wildly over short periods of times, which brings us back to why we started doing the daily dots, right? Yeah, exactly. Right. Just, One month does not make a trend. And really, all, we, all the only weakness we've seen in aggregate macro data has been this month. So it that can easily bounce back. But but it is, it's been pretty pretty rough this month. Yeah, the the other one that I watched today too, man, that that has been an absolute break from trend this entire year. You've got a solid move, a notable move down in rates, and ARC got smacked. ARC got hit even harder than small caps today, right? That's really been a rate proxy for me, like just sitting there going, I mean, that I, I just feel like ARC you know, has been... I'm glad you compared those two because they've traded so similar lately. I've, I've been been looking at that and thinking like arc is basically like iwm with a big fee <laughs> yeah i mean with with, with mo- a more intelligent construction in my opinion and that's not saying a lot because iwm is a mess yeah i mean at one point wasn't wasn't gamestop the biggest position in iwm oh, yeah, at one i forgot point? about that yeah yeah i mean iwm has a lot of weird anomalies in it where you yeah, got- a third of the companies don't make money something like that yeah and what was it what was it if 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 something like if if the average company in in the Russell had to refinance their debt at today's level. You'd have like thirty to thirty five percent insolvency or something like that. Don't remember. It may have been worse actually. I can't remember what that number was, but it, it was not pretty. Yeah. So anyway, when you see those things again, it's one day, but but there's a turning point. And what Chase have always been and I have been getting to is that this whole. I was on a couple podcasts yesterday. I mean, you know that, right? And they were asking me. They're like, Zach, we don't understand. Like, why? And I go, okay. I'm not pumping our own show and it's free by the way, uh, but I'm not pumping our own show, but to go back and listen to the show that we did two weeks ago. And we said, okay, if this market is baking your brain, hold on because we're seeing the data turn down. And remember this show we did is we did this two weeks ago. Yeah. And we said, okay, we're starting to see the data turn, get ready for the market to really bake your brain. Yeah. And that's exactly what's happened. And so yesterday on this podcast, they were asking me, hey, why are we getting bad economic data finally coming through? And the market seems to love it. And I go, this is the good news is bad news phase. Why did we say that? And you've been more vocal about this than I have. So I'm kind of taking a little bit of your your thunder here. But um, but this just happens in every cycle, right? Because usually the economy gets overheated. Fed starts Fed starts uh, uh, pumping the brakes, raising rates. And then economy starts showing signs of slowdown which gets everybody excited because they start focusing on the Fed and they take their eyes off the economy and, oh, rates are coming down. They're the only thing we got to worry about. And good news is bad news until they realize this isn't just an interest rate issue, right? Yeah, it's not a light at the end of the tunnel, it's a train. Yeah, right, right. So these are the signs that you look for. Like I said, you need a lot more confirmation. We're not there yet. We're not getting all uber-bared. Yeah, and speaking of, so I I take out four... Four of the main things the MBER looks at to de- decide whether or not you're going to have a recession. And on a month-over-month basis, it's not great. But you go look year-over-year, year, almost every recession, they're all negative year-over-year. Year. And, and at the moment, o- only industrial production is. So like that, that shows you, you still have a ways to go on this stuff. But we're going straight up on all of those indicators. And all of a sudden, 
just in just this month, two of them, you know, kind of forked and, and, and turned lower. So you got to start somewhere and we might be starting, you know, here. Hey, I, I, I'm not excited for bad things to happen, but I am a little excited because I, I feel like a little bit of life has been breathed in, breathed into my theory that the downturn or the deceleration will happen a lot faster than is historically normal. Schadenfreude capital here, folks. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So no, no, I just, I, no, I understand. Yeah. It, it, and, and it, and it's, um, I came to that, I came to that thesis. I'm not saying it's my odds on thesis probably isn't. I just, this market has done this to me so many times. I, w- I wouldn't bet on that. I would bet on this taking longer than I even think at this point. It just, it just feels like that's the way of things. I, but I do think that I do think because of the violent nature in which the stimulus was applied and the violent nature in which rates have moved higher and the stimulus was pulled, I do think that there is a, especially coming from, you know, from the point, a point of origin, right? Where, where we started turning down. You know, I mean, it's parabolic, right? In in all in all ways, right? consumer spending went parabolic, markets went parabolic, uh, deficits, debt, fiscal. I mean, everything yeah. went parabolic. Inflation. <laughs> usually, per, you know, usually the drop down on parabolas is the same trajectory as the rise. Yep, pretty vicious. Actually, always on parabolas. That's usually, what a parabola yeah, is. Vicious, and I, I can speak for for actual equity prices. It tends to be an eighty percent roughly drawdown if you have a big parabola. So. Yeah. Not yeah. obviously economic data is like, we're not going to like 80% drawdown. And in, in like, I was just going to say but... you are on the record for calling for an 80% yeah. drawdown on SPY. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Hey, look, here's the flip side too. I just want to say this again. Nobody knows exactly which direction the market goes, but for people out there, you know, you'll hear some of this, what I refer to as bear porn. You'll hear some of these guys saying, you know, we're looking at a 1929 scenario. No, we're not. Okay. We're not. If 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 you think an eighty to eighty five percent drawdown is coming on either the Nasdaq or the S and P five hundred, I will take the other side of that bet a hundred times. I'll, I will sell you those puts, and I do not believe in selling options. Nope, <laughs> he's he's keeping his feet on the ground, folks. Uh, no, but and, and here's the reason why. What everybody that says that they sit there and they go, well, why have things gotten overheated? Well, because the Fed, man. And I go, okay, so you think they're going to sit there and watch it go down eighty five? Yeah, exactly, like. The, the Fed obviously wasn't ready for the, in the Great Depression. They didn't have all the tools they have now and the know-how. Uh, not not to mention, like, we don't have all the private sector excess that we had back then. So, like, the whole, the whole like, thought process is just off. Yeah, and it was a – I know that this is not something that the financial justice warriors want to hear, right? But in my opinion, one of the issues with the Great Depression is the economy, the economy was not – the economy was not properly constructed at that time, right? Like for instance, you didn't have a lender of last resort. And and again, the financial justice warriors are going to hate when I say this, right? But in, in a, in a fractional reserve banking system, if you do not have a lender of last resort, it is a matter of time until you have a depression period, right? Because it, it doesn't even matter what the health of the banks are. If everybody goes to pull their cash out at the same time, everything goes bang. Yeah. Your, your job's not there to just bail everything out. Your job is to make sure that you don't allow feedback loops to burn everything down needlessly. Right. Which makes like, even, I don't care what your position is. If you're like in the fed person, like you can't really argue against having some, something there to just 
keep feedback loops from burning everything. Like if, if we can cap the downside of, you know, a significant recession to where unemployment, you know, maybe goes up to five to 10 instead of 50, like, we should probably do that. And that, that's kind of what it's there for. Well, yeah. And then, and then the other problem is too, and nobody ever thinks about this side of it, right? What about the bank that did everything right? They hedged their interest rate risk. They put their customers first. Exactly. They protected their balance sheet, but a couple other banks that didn't go down. And so everybody goes, pulls the capital. And now that bank goes under what, what good does that serve anybody? Right. Yeah. And, and this isn't a perfect analogy, but this is in my mind, it's like a chemical fire. Right. Like how hard they are to put out, you know, very rarely. We, you know, I think a lot of times you spray water on a chemical fire, it makes worse. Well, what do the firemen do, though? They hose everything down around it. Right. To make sure it doesn't spread. And I think that's kind of the, that's it. Yep. That's kind of what the Fed, you know, that's what the Fed should do. Now, have they done that? No. Right. It's been you get a car, you get a car, you get a car. Right. We're going to make it rain. But to go to the argument against the bear porn and you're going to hear a lot of it. Okay, if you think they're going to sit there, though, they can't bail everything. Yes, they can. They can print money. They they can they can insert a trillion dollars on a bunch of ballots. Yeah, I mean, because again, that's the way our accounting system runs. Does it mean that those companies are worth that? No, but it can keep them from going insolvent. Right. Right. You can paper over anything if you have the the money gun. Like, yeah. There's no two ways about it. Yeah. So that's why I just sit there and I'm like, hey, uh, I'm not I'm not saying it's the way it should be. But I'm just saying, if your base case is you think the S and P is going down 85, percent I, for instance, if you were to make me bet one way or the other, it's not even close. It, significantly better chances of the S and P rising 85 percent in the next 16 months than it is going down 85 percent. And I get how that sounds. No two ways about it. I yep. mean, that, that's not even close to me. The financial justice and warrior warrior in me hates admitting that, but it's just true. It's just true. And what have they showed you? I mean, I, again, I think one of the lessons that we should learn from COVID is you can have the biggest economic shock in all time. Did I did I tell you, by the way, the exchange I had at Twitter on Twitter with uh, who's the guy that's on CNBC a lot? That's like Mr. Retail. Um, he used to be on CNBC a lot more. He gets interviewed all the time. Big Twitter presence. And I was like, this is the biggest economic sh- shock of our of of in history for the economic economy during COVID. And he responds to me. He's like, yeah, that sounds like a lot of bull, you know, excrement. And uh, I didn't go, I didn't go, I didn't go spike the football in the guy's face, but I'm just sitting there going, look, I didn't say the whole world was coming apart, but you had a 23% annualized reduction in GDP in a single quarter. I mean, right. But my point in bringing that up is I think that there's a valuable lesson. Everybody should learn from that, which is, they can shut down the entire bloody economy and make it rain and finish with the S&P up 16% that same year, right? So if your thesis is it's going down 85%, good luck. Yeah, exactly. Good stinking luck. If, if, and honestly, if that wasn't your takeaway from COVID, like you're, you just weren't paying attention. No. That, that nothing can stop them from propping things up. Yeah, and nothing will. Uh, what else do we have uh, on the day? I mean, I think that was kind of the biggest thing is just – Keep an eye out. It you're you're going to have gyrations. We're not saying that this is the beginning of the end, but but it is notable, right? I mean, do you think that's fair to say it's notable? Uh, for sure. Uh, as far as the rest of the day goes, a um, couple things to note. First, uh, oil prices down another four and a half percent, and bond yields were all down, like kind of like six to ten ish basis points. I don't think we hit on that earlier. But the other thing was data side was uh, import and export prices came out. 
and like all negative. So I, I hold on a second. I didn't think about that. I didn't think about the combo. It'd be interesting to look at the last 12 months and see how many days you had rates down more than one and a half percent on the 10 year and you had oil down more than two and the market didn't rally on a day like that. Yeah. And the dollar down speaking of and the dollar down. Right. T- typically that's just, yeah, j- just extra, extra juice. Oh, that, I, I mean, if you told me those things going into today, I would have thought that I would have thought the Q's would be up two plus and I'd have thought S and P would be up one and a half to 2%. That's, I mean, I just, well, like two months ago created the, um, the pressure gauge that just combines dollar rates, oil, because it was, it had been so important of late yeah. to kind of keep track of where that's going. That thing obviously went to the moon today and stocks just sat there. So that is interesting. Um, back to import export prices. Those were all negative today. So like literally deflationary. And then Walmart uh, on the, on their earnings call, I mean, they were they were talking about like literal outright deflation, yeah, and some other stuff. So, just you're seeing a lot of signals that obviously prices have already come down a bunch. Uh, obviously, the rate of change, the inflation uh, percentage has come down a lot, but it's really clear to me that's gonna that's gonna keep happening, especially with oil doing what it's doing. Uh, I mean, you could, you, you, we might have significant inflation come out and it's really, really important to remember that if inflation drops significantly, all of a sudden, again, that makes monetary policy that much tighter considering how high it is. So monetary policy you know, being at five and a half percent with, you know, 5% inflation is a little bit tight, but five and a half percent, uh, fed funds with inflation, two, 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 two and a half percent yeah. inflation all of a sudden is very tight. Um, and obviously that is the setup where theoretically the fed should just be like, well, we were hoping to get the economy to slow down too a lot, but whatever inflation's back under three. So let's just cut. We, we've talked about this a million times. I don't think they're going to anyway, but if we slow down rapidly, you know, to a two and a half handle, something like that, then they probably do cut. But, it probably well, coincides you, with the recession. Yeah. yeah, if you're slowing down that fast, you're going recessionary and it might be appropriate. Maybe you get a short-term boost to stocks, but I, I don't see it. The other side of it too, and and this is what I keep getting my head around, and clearly the the Fed isn't going to come out and say this, and I actually understand why, and, and I don't necessarily fault them for not saying this. But I don't think – like I, I keep going back to Jackson Hole when Powell said there's going to be pain. To me, what he was signaling there is we don't just need inflation to come down. We need prices to come down. And when you look at the housing market specifically, I I don't think that houses stopping going up is enough. I, I just don't think it's enough. I, th- I mean, I don't I don't I think you can have a recession and have a reset of inflation without home prices going down. I, I really I definitely well, well, do. well, when you say going down, I think it would help talking, a lot. I'm not talking about going down 30 percent. But I'm just saying, I just, I just think they're going to be, so I, I, my suspicion is, is especially when you look at asset prices across the board and you look at what happened to them with inflation, getting that wrong. And I actually, I, I'm, I'm biased when I say this because I've got a bearish outlook. So I'll admittedly admit that I'm biased, but I'm really trying to think about this in an unbiased way, you know, from the feds perspective. And I, ju- I just don't, I just see them being extra, extra cautious to cut. I just, they will be, I, I'm convinced of that, but yeah. I, but I'm biased by the 2007, 2008 transcripts where I, there's nothing you could have done to have made them 
not afraid of inflation. No, but the other side of it that is different than 07 or 08. We nuked the economy and they were still scared of inflation. Yeah, but the other thing that is different about that is that there is not, and again, the bear, the Uber bears are not going to like hearing me say this. There is not a time bomb under this economy like there was then. Right, the enormous imbalances. Yeah, and the Fed knows where to look now, right? They're checking those channels. They're not making the same mistakes they made in 08, 09. I, I, I do worry they don't look hard enough at private equity, but- right. But right. at the same time, rates are coming down now. That's, I mean, that's just, but, but yeah, but private that's a giant lifeline to private equity. Yeah, but here's the issue, right? Go look down your neighborhood block. You know, everybody in your neighborhood doesn't have a significant portion of their net worth in private equity. No, I know, but right, they did their home. No, of course, but I, I just think no, private equity is full of garbage. You yeah. and I both know it. I mean, and it has you, you haven't even started to see the write downs in private equity yet. Right, and it's not going to be. It you know, systemic, like all the banks and all the mortgages no. having problems. No. But. I know. I think it's going to be a garden variety recession. I, that, that's right. what I think. And I think right. that they're going to, then, then they'll cut rates and they'll add some juice if they need to. But I, like you said, I mean, again, the Uber bears don't like to hear this, but I, it just, it's not the same setup. If anything is, I, I'm, I'm starting to move towards the point of thinking it'll be long and long and shallow. Now, I also cannot believe this. But I also think at some point in the next year, it'll be time to go long small caps and short fangs. I, and I'm not saying I'm going to pull that trigger because it's going to be a scary one to pull. Yeah. But my point in bringing that up is if you look at the market, it's that, really – That spread should, should definitely come back in. Yeah, and when you, look at the, when you look at the market, the multiple is ridiculous. But then you actually look at the market X the 7, and it's not, right? I don't know. No. And so actually makes perfect sense. Yeah. Average stock in the Russell 2000 or median stock in the Russell 2000 is down 35%. Yep. Equal weight NASDAQ is basically like flat. That makes all that all makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. And I, you know, but, but the problem with that is, is that if that scenario plays out, the indexes are going down because they're too big, they're too weighty. Right. And what does the average retail person have? Right. They, they, they've, they've got, they've got Fang or Magnificent, Magnificent Seven with a kicker. I mean, that's it. Right. 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 Like a sidecar. Right. And, and that's whether they did it actively or in just or passively or passively. That's what right. they got. Anyway, that's what you got, whether you know it or not. We ran over. We ran over. Having a heck of a time. Hit, okay. Hit it. Hit us. Hit us. With? Or you said you said you had, I thought you were saying you had something to say. Oh, no, no, I'm good. I'll, I'll, but I will close on saying, hey, tomorrow we have uh, starts and permits. So some, some, uh, housing, for, for housing, family. Uh, it would be both. Yep. Okay. All right. That'll be interesting to pay attention to. Anyway, don't want to keep you guys too long. Have a great evening. We'll be back tomorrow for another edition of the Daily Dots. You're listening to the Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referenced for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor.